Greetings of the day. I'm Blake Dowling, and welcome to the Biz and Tech Podcast. I'm CEO of Aegis Business Technologies, and this podcast is a effort to get out in the community, the city, the state, and hang out with some people that we think are awesome. And today's guest is Kristen Dozier, one of our county commissioners, and a good friend of mine. Thank you, Kristen, for coming on the show today. Thank you for the invite. Appreciate it. Awesome. At Aegis, we do IT support. Uh, that whole picture has changed dramatically over the years. Cybersecurity is such a big part of that now. And when we're thinking about antivirus and anti-spam and firewalls, we're now thinking about phishing simulations and cybersecurity trainings and advanced threat protection and advanced monitoring solutions. But people always forget about password protocol. Passwords are your front line of defense. And so it's very important to make sure it's not just complex, but very long. Think like a phrase with characters and capitalizations. Anyway, that's your free tip for today. And speaking of passwords, what is Forrest Gump's password? Forrest Gump's password. You got me. One, Forrest, one. <laughs> not bad. It's not terrible. I think it's, I think we'll give it a seven out of 10. All right. There you go. So, Kristen, you're a county commissioner. Tell us about that. A few years ago, speaking to some young people, I came up with a phrase, mental gymnastics. And I think that is one of the best descriptions for a county commissioner, any local government job. We could be working on arts in the morning, land use midday, and water quality or economic development in the afternoon. It really covers so many different issues that impact our local community. Um, basically, we provide the ground level services. Everybody in the state of Florida lives in a county. You might not live in a city, but you live in a county. So we are required to provide those basic services for everyone. Well, that's awesome. Thank yeah. you for your service. Thank you. So what did you do prior to your service for our community? A few different things. Immediately prior to running for office, I was working for Mad Dog Construction. It's family business, and I worked there straight out of high school and then left for a time, went to FSU and came back. And at that time, mid-2000s, I was really focused on sustainable construction. And of course, it was right at the start of the recession, so the construction downturn really impacted us, but we were able to keep focus on a new way of approaching our built environment. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if we look back, it's been about 10 years now. Uh, you and I met during the Leadership Tallahassee program. Yes. And speaking of Mad Dog, without giving anything away... <laughs> We have a wonderful commemorative item that I came up with, and I had to search all over town to find this commemorative item. It's true. But when I was thinking Mad Dog, I was thinking Mad Dog wine. And one of my favorite gifts that I've ever gotten to give in the leadership Tallahassee world mm -hmm. is a signed bottle of Mad Dog wine. And you got the whole class to sign that bottle. And I even saw it last year, so I know you still have it. I still have it. It was remarkable. And yes, we can't give too much away about the opening retreat for Leadership Tallahassee, no. but it's a program that really locks in the friendships and the collaboration among the members of that particular class very quickly. We didn't know each other before we jumped on the bus that morning. Mm -hmm. By the end of the day, we were pretty tight and have stayed that way for 10 years. So it is exceptional. And um, yes, it was a great way to introduce. And I am very <laughs> proud of that bottle with all of, a, all of our signatures on it. <laughs> yes, that was a lot of fun. Yes. And we got to drink it during the weekend, which again, we won't give anything away. But uh, Oof, if you yeah. haven't considered applying for Leadership Tallahassee or Leadership Florida, both are great programs. Outstanding. So in our community, 
coronavirus going on now. Yes. Uh, what's the county's take on things currently? We have no cases here in Leon County as of today, Tuesday at 11.07 a.m. Yes. But what's going on from the county's perspective? So county, one of those basic functions is emergency operations. When you see a hurricane coming through, a tornado, something else like that, we activate our emergency operations management center and that is a place where we can coordinate with all of our partners, city, state, law enforcement, human, human service agencies across the board. Our emergency management officials started coordinating with Department of Health as early as January, mid-January. Now, in the last couple weeks, as we've seen things really start to spike around the country and Florida start its first cases, that activation is stepping up and we're actually doing operational updates now just like you would see during a hurricane so that's an email every day or two with new information this is unique compared to the storms where we're really directing people back to the cdc the state health department our local health departments for that information so we are the coordinating entity there it brings in the schools it brings in others and i think getting that early start and quite frankly having the experience of the storms in recent years our team is so adept at bringing together this coordinated effort that they they really hit the ground running and i think the community also is hyper focused on their efforts um not Absolutely. panicking but being organized and being ready and i love your email alerts those are very um, timely and not a lot of fluff just here's the facts and that's what the citizens want to see as we guide our businesses and organizations through the storm, which in this case is a virus. But uh, I wrote a column last week for FloridaPolitics.com about supply chain disruption, yes. which we're seeing a little bit in the tech sector. Obviously, airlines, cruise industry are more affected. But yesterday, I saw the first instance of our business truly disrupted, where one of our national partners said they can't come to town on April 23rd because Cisco froze all travel. Right. And uh, Cisco had just acquired Duo, which is our two-factor authentication partner, which is a great tool you should buy from Aegis, by the <laughs> way. And, um, you know, that, that hit home pretty fast. And she's yeah. like, well, I'll try to make it happen. I'm like, well, no, just follow your company's instructions. And, uh, you know, we're business as usual right now, and we're going to continue on that path and not sound the alarm um, because there's enough doom and gloom out there. But we're also going to stay safe and take care of our employees. So thank you for your leadership Thank you in that area. Just picking up on that, if I might, for a second, this is really the longer-term impact that I'm concerned about. First and foremost, we all know we got to protect ourselves, and I have started thinking the last few days about spring break and everyone, if you're going to travel coming home, protect your grandparents, protect your neighbors in case you were exposed to that vulnerable population. Mm -hmm. So we need to take care of ourselves, but we are seeing this impact our local economy already. We've got manufacturers who are seeing the supply chain slow down and Dan potential Foss, Turbo Dan Foss the news, yeah. announced the, the layoffs. Um, construction companies are telling me and developers that steel and concrete out of China is starting, the prices are starting to go up and it's starting to be harder to access those products. But even on the community level, we're seeing the symphony start to take steps for this weekend's concert. Uh, there was something just posted about sustainable or springtime Tallahassee. We have a lot of events in the spring, and we want those to be successful, but our first priority is public safety. So everyone's just got to stay safe. Well, I don't yeah. 
have a doctor's degree, nor do I play one on TV, but I know that heat and viruses don't mix. So hopefully that can, you know, the most negative thing about Florida, our extreme heat, hopefully that can be our ally during this time. Well, we'll see how it goes. Yes. Um, Moving on. One of the cool things we were just talking about, Leadership Tallahassee and the friendships and where it leads over the years. I got a call from you and um, a couple of our classmates a couple of years ago on speakerphone which, um, you know, speakerphone, you got to say, hey, you're on speakerphone, and y'all did that, you know, because that's a common courtesy. If you don't tell people that, it's not good. Absolutely. That being said, you've called and said, the first answer to this question has to be yes. <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> question first. And uh, That was you, smart, too. Yes. You yeah. had asked if I'd be interested in volunteering for Leon, uh, excuse me, Literacy Volunteers of Leon County, and yeah. they're... Um, their, their plays and what a wonderful experience to serve the community and help those in a space where you might overlook that space. You're thinking about kids and, you know, needing housing and veterans and people without food, but people that can't read, they need, they need our help in those areas. And that, that entire organization is really special. And those two years we, um, we performed together were awesome. And I thank you for introducing me to that. What are your, what are your thoughts on that organization? Well, first, thank you for saying yes, even after you heard the question. Um, we're asked, well, we got to dress up in costumes. That's fun. We did. So we're asked to do, I'm asked to do a lot of different types of nonprofit events. And I think those that find their niche and readers theater is a perfect niche for literacy volunteers. Um, really, develop something special that the community really uh, responds to. Literacy Volunteers is a program run out of uh, the Leon County Library System. We're very lucky to have them. They do a lot of mentoring and reading um, programs for a lot of different people. Just one person I'll, I'll single out here is um, a local builder. And of course, you know, I'm tied in with that community. He was very embarrassed for a long time that he didn't know how to read, and yet he had a successful career in construction. He could frame anything, he could do anything, but Mm -hmm. as his business started to grow, it really became more and more of an impediment. And so if you think about a guy, middle age, being willing to go and access this program and really own the fact that he struggled with this all his life, he then became a board member and chair of literacy volunteers and was willing to stand up in front of the community and talk about this experience. So that's, that's huge. That's huge on Mm -hmm. his part. And for me, I struggled with reading. I I still do. I am a phonetic speller and English is not phonetic and I'm pretty close to dyslexic. So this is something I personally have struggled with. Now I've been able to overcome it. Um, thankfully better than a lot of folks who may not have had the benefit, you know, the experiences I had when I was younger, but programs like this is really a safety net. It's one of those things that is a life changer. So that's the first reason I got involved And Rhonda Cooper, our executive director, you can't say no to her. So this is the first year in eight years that I did not participate. I wasn't able to, and I really missed it. The other thing I'll say rounding this out is personally, I can get up and talk to anybody right now about land use or public policy, but I am terrified to get up and read a script. I cannot act. And this was, I felt like a personal challenge to get on stage with you all and play the fool and whatever else. And we had a great time. And see my personal experience, I can burn through a book in a day and retain the knowledge. 
But on the flip side, I got like a four on the math section of the SAT. I can't add two plus two without an abacus. Um, <laughs> speaking of abacuses, we talked about your newsletter a minute ago. Yeah. Social media, messaging, getting your message out, your brand out as far as being county commissioner and what news you have to share. What's your favorite method of communication? Uh, I see you on Twitter. Itty bitty. Yes. Small Twitter presence. What's your what's your preferred platform? So, um, probably a longer conversation at some point. I would love to hear more reflection on this because I think some Gen Xers were kind of in this middle category where we might not be a natural fit for social media, like some of the <laughs> those who are younger than us. You are very, very good at it. Um, I have my that's first a lovely compliment. It, yes, I've I heard, really no, appreciate I've heard it. You're a narcissist too. So I, let's. You know, let's keep those compliments coming. <laughs> it, the communication is great and sharing other people's stories or congratulating someone. My mentality, I am focused on the work in front of me. I'm reading my agenda material. I'm talking with folks and I don't always take a pause and do that Facebook post. And I won't tweet something during a meeting or something like that. So I just get out of the habit sometimes and right. then have to catch up. And because it's more of a real time you know, you it's social media. You want to mm -hmm. share it in real time. Um, that's just sharing my own personal challenge with that. I know I could use it more, but the way that it has resonated with me and I have used it more in recent years is really sharing a lot of information that's going on at the city or the county. Mm -hmm. And particularly during hurricanes or other things, our newsletter Access to what's going on in local governments is one of the biggest challenges. Not everybody gets the newspaper or other things. And I think the more ways we can share that information and get people to give us feedback mm -hmm. and participate in the process is really critical. So I think I'll try to be more like Blake, but uh, <laughs> um, it, it is helpful for now. Yeah. Well, I try to balance the you know, the content and make sure it's relevant or funny or something and get work sometimes. But a lot of misses out there also but we'll make sure to share today's episode there heavily go. on social media platforms so casual question yeah if you were going to go home after work today and have the perfect beverage and the perfect meal for county commissioner Kristen dozier what would that be well i will admit i've never been the best cook just, you don't have to cook i just it. i know i, I Someone, didn't get into that but I am incredibly lucky to um, be with someone, my fiance, who is an exceptional cook. So my favorite meals are what John makes, and I'm also celiac, so I am gluten-free. He has started to make gluten-free French bread and uh, steaks and a lot of veggies, and that is just a phenomenal meal. It's so hearty, it's great. We do like the wine, of course, but um, Pinot I just Grigio, have to... Pinot Noir? I, I think the Pinot Noir right now, we're on the cusp of spring. That's where we've been landing. And uh, actually, It's good to get stuck in a Pinot Noir rut. It's a good thing. I like that, yes. I, tying in with other volunteer and other activities, we actually put a, something up for silent auction at Dancing with the Stars last fall, and we just hosted a dinner last week um, with Matt Brown and his wife, the GM for WTXL, mm -hmm. and um, Alva Striplin and George Smith. And we had a wonderful time. We crafted yeah, I a menu. With and, all those and folks on the Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Board. Yes. Um, so we brought our wine skills and our food skills into serving a dinner for them, and it was a lot of fun. That's so, awesome. Yeah. All right. Serious question. Yeah. 
the FBI was in town for a couple of years. Oh, big They switch. were watching yes. <laughs> everyone's activities. I might not be cool enough for them to have engaged me. I got a wave like at the chamber conference from what uh, I think the sheriff calls the ponytail guy. Mm, okay. Is that what they call him? Yeah. I suppose. Or no, white snake. That's what they call it. Oh, white the snake. Yes, the long hair. Gentleman. That is it. Yeah. So obviously, we don't want to dwell on this too long. But what was your thoughts on that whole thing? And uh, what was your takeaways? So my general sense about this is if we don't have a good process in local government that is transparent, that is able to explain to people very quickly how we're making decisions, it can be a playground for bad actors. So I want to start there that I absolutely know and believe that not everyone within um, any department, any agency in the community was doing the wrong thing. But if we have an environment where it's kind of gray areas or cloudy, people who are in it for their self-interest can really make that space something that works for them more than the community. So that's where I want to start because this investigation to me really showed what could happen if we're not careful, but it was not a comment on everything happening in local government. On the other side, it was really important that we uncovered that. Um, issues like bribery and other things can have a dramatic effect on the community because they take resources away from the projects and our goals that we really need to do to impact everyone in the community. And it's your investment. It's taxpayer investment. Sure. So the federal government, Department of Justice, they are very good at uh, public corruption. So I... It may sound a bit odd, but I wish we had never had those issues, of course. Right, right. But I am grateful for the Department of Justice and their skill at uncovering them because I think our community will be stronger for it. Well, I thought you and certain other elected officials really shined during that process. And it's a pleasure to call you a friend as well as a leader in our community. So thank you. And as we close today, what is your favorite thing about Tallahassee and North Florida? First, it's home. It's got incredible people, and we can have families here, like my dad's family, been here multiple generations, folks like my mom who came here for school and just adopted the community, and it gives us a really wonderful mix of people from all over, um, a lot of different experiences. We're a community that really tries to face our issues, like what we were just yes. talking about, good or bad, and dig in and try to make um, positive changes, really take things at face value. I think we can always be striving to be better, but I am grateful to work with so many people throughout our community who are doing just that. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for your leadership in our community. We are all in it to win it together. Thank you for listening and watching today's Aegis Biz and Tech podcast. And if you need IT help, Give us a call. We'll see you next time. Have a good one.